are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Tonight's our annual uh, parent-baby dedication, and consequently you think that the entire message is directed just to those that are seeking to raise a godly uh, generation, and it is directed to them. Tonight, it's directed to those who have raised a great generation or perhaps your children have broken your heart. And that seems like it's more the story today than ever. Perhaps you've raised a generation and it's not like you expect it, or it is, and maybe even better. Perhaps you're raising a generation I speak tonight thirdly to the group that I call the business people in our church. I'm coming directly to the business people, along with the parents raising their children, along with that generation that have raised the generation. I'm speaking tonight, number four, to the church ministry. It's always been difficult to succeed in child rearing, but it's always been difficult to develop a business. It's always been difficult to develop a great thriving church. And in this day, I sense it's really difficult for all of the above because we live in such a day of rebellion. We have not learned to deny ourselves, but instead, it's all about me. But this is the first generation in America's history that never had to fight for anything. You didn't have to fight during the Great Depression to scratch out some kind of living from hand to mouth, collecting whatever uh, uh, rubber tires that you could exchange them or cans you could exchange or metal or working on a farm. Uh, this generation has known nothing about the Great Depression. Most people in this generation have nothing to know, know nothing about it. You don't even know anybody that was raised through it in the, uh, the 20s and 30s. But that generation suffered through the Great Depression. Weeks ago, you recall, I mentioned that in 1918, they suffered through the Spanish flu. And then shortly thereafter, World War I. And then shortly thereafter, the Great Depression. And shortly thereafter, World War II and shortly thereafter, the Korean conflict, 1951, and shortly thereafter, Vietnam, and every generation has suffered but this. This one, at age 10 or 11, gets cell phones handed to them. This one, if you can't afford one, the government will give you one. This generation is making more money not working than working. This generation in San Francisco, if you don't want to work, they'll give you a hotel. This generation in San Francisco, if you want to do drugs, they'll deliver it to your hotel that we're providing for you and they'll give you the needles for your drugs. You saw the report that came out this weekend. Multiple, many more times people have died in San Francisco this year with drug overdose than all of COVID combined in that county. This is a spoiled generation. 
generation that gets food without working for it, housing without working for it, medical care for without working for it, drugs without working for it, liquor delivered to their hotel, and cigarettes without working for it. And yet we want and demand more. If you're a business owner, I imagine would say that depending, depending on how many people you employ, most companies feel like the boss, the company's not doing enough. Can't believe the boss makes more than us. What well, if you want to be the boss, start your own business, begin your own. Sure, he should make more. Well, that's not equality. Where'd you get that? You didn't get it out of the Bible. If a man will not work, he should not eat. This generation is going to be a difficult, uh, a difficult task to raise a generation. Because we're so, we, we're so spoiled. I read in the Isaiah 3, in the last days, the Bible says that, as for my people, in those last days, children shall be their oppressors. Women shall rule over them. My people, they are led to err. In the last days, Micah said it this morning, that child will dishonor father. It is a day of rebellion. It is a day that we think we want our own thing. And it's a day of rebellion in the New Testament local church. Young men do not come to Bible college with an obsession to learn from the great, great men of God from yesterday. They come to sit in dormitories and Bible colleges all America and debate what's wrong with old time religion. I thank God I wasn't raised in that generation where we just sat around and talked about what's wrong with fundamentalism, what's wrong with the old fashioned way, what's wrong with singing, but we went out and did something with our life instead of just talking about it. We looked to the great men of yesteryear. I'll get me under the great men, the Bible says in Jeremiah. I'll study their life. The ancient men, the men that have walked with God, the men that have known God, the men that knew how to pray. I'll get to that crowd, but today the crowd is, well, let's evaluate the older guys, where they went wrong, and we trash them on the internet. It's a little person that goes to the internet to trash someone else. It's a boy, a young man, or a young lady that has zero godly character, no work ethic, never has built a dog shed in their life. They don't know how to pastor a church. They don't know how to lead a people, and their marriage is on the skids and gonna fall apart. Mark it down, take it to the back. You heard it first here. We are in a day where this generation, a bunch of spoiled babies, he said, well, Brother Treber, you sound like you're ticked off. I'm ticked off because of what the end destruction of their life will be. I've watched so many start off so good and end so bad. Start being, stop being such a smart aleck, a know-it-all. I was telling my, someone an illustration, they don't know who I was talking about. I don't remember where this was this week. The young man, that was not the sharpest knife in the drawer. He reminds me of so many that I've watched through the years. Kind of a nerd of a guy, not a smart kid at all. Kind of the goofball. And yet, as you get older, you start school, you're in kindergarten, you're the runt, 
but you get up to 12th grade and you're the leader. You're still a goofball. You still have no character, but you're the biggest on campus. And then you go to college and then you think you know something and then you go to try to start a church or build a church and you, you fail it. I've watched so many men fail it because they're trying to do this thing in the arm of the flesh. And then they blame their church or their school or fundamentalism or their mother or their dad. Listen, we have to get in this thing and grow up and be spiritually mature and not as babies as the church at Corinth was. Tonight I'm in Proverbs 22 in a verse that you know, and there's only one word that I wanna take out of this verse tonight as I speak to you on the key to success, whether it's a business, whether it's a marriage, whether it's a job, whether it's a church, whether it's a child, the key to success. And the day, and I remind you, uh, the, the, the day we live in, no one's gonna tell me what to do. I'm gonna go to the HR department and report you. I don't like what you say, so I'm gonna go burn your building down, and before I burn it, I'm gonna go loot it first and take whatever I want. And the government lets them do it. But we're stealing someone's livelihood. Stealing somebody's home or their job or their business. And they've lost it all because of a bunch of spoiled, bratty little kids that are looting these stores. There's one word I want us to see. It's the first word in Psalm, uh, Proverbs 22, verse six. Train, train. That word train means to develop a habit. What habits have our children learned? Have they learned in our home to read the Bible, to pray, to confess their sins, to walk on us, to tell the truth in every situation of life? What have they learned in their home? They've been trained to pay taxes and be honest and, and not gossip and not hurt and not destroy and mind your own business. Have they been taught that? Are they busybodies like a father or mother? Are they immature people that were raised by people that were training them to just be rebellious Christians? Train up. Train is to develop a habit. It's to make another person proficient in that area. Training is to instruct. Training is to guide. And tonight I'm coming to you on behalf of training a child or training a company or training a church. And hopefully one day, if the Lord tarries, this church might be able to say, that old man who was our pastor those many years, he trained us. He trained us how to be givers, financial givers. He trained us how to live for others. He trained us how to love the bus ministry. He trained us how to love worldwide missions. He trained us how to keep a clean property. He trained us how to sing and hymns and songs and spiritual songs. He trained us how to have a good church service. He trained us as staff members and as deacons and as ushers and as nursery workers. That old man, he wasn't good looking, he wasn't talented, but that man spent his life with his wife training the people of God so that their lives might be valuable to the cause of Christ. I'm coming to you tonight, train up a child and the way he should go, and when he is old, he'll not depart from it. Train, train to instruct, to form a habit. So that tells me 
there needs to be a de destination. There needs to be a destination. What's the goal? You don't train just to train for the moment. What is the goal? What are we aiming for? I press toward the mark. What is the mark? Before you bring a child into this world, you ought to figure out a husband and wife. What is the target? What is the goal? What is the ambition? How are we gonna train? And you'll have to be on the same page. Mother cannot have one agenda and dad have another agenda. We ought to know what is the goal. We ought to print the goal. If you're pastoring the church, you print the goal. You print the goal, you verbalize the goal, you work on the goal, you keep it before your people all the time. This is the goal, this is where we're headed, this is the vision. Train up a child in the way he should go. You have to identify the destination. Where do you want them to wind up? And I'm tired of parents taking the blame many times for where the kids wind up. We are so proud of our kids. They're all in full-time ministry and we're so thankful for them. But I wanna tell you something about our kids. Tiffany's been gone out of our home for 21 years. Tabitha's been gone out of our home for 16 years. Tim's been gone out, couldn't get rid of him, just couldn't get rid of him. But he's been out of our home for 11 years. But when they left our home, we had trained them right. We had trained them to read this Bible and I know every single one of them and their children read the word of God every single day. But they're gonna have more influence coming from all different directions as the years go on. It's gonna have to be their decision. I was counseling with someone this past week. I was giving the illustration of our kids. Children have a twofold responsibility in their life. Children obey, children honor your father and mother. Obey means that you follow the direction of your parents. But you know when 21 years ago I walked Tiffany down the aisle and the preacher said, who giveth this woman to be married to this man? I said her mother and I, we handed her hand in marriage. She doesn't have to obey us. Obedience has ceased because the Bible says she obeys a husband. She follows the leadership of that husband. She doesn't have 911 hooked up to our bedroom phone to talk to us, to our cell phones to talk to us. No, no, I'm not gonna give her instruction how to obey me. And you know, we raised our children to release them so that as they began to get older in seventh grade and 10th grade and 11th grade, I didn't want to make every decision for them. They'd come and they'd ask me a question and so often we're prone to tell our kids everything. I tried to always ask our kids a question and they'd come and they'd say, Dad, what do you think? I said, well, give me your observation first. What do you think the Lord's telling you? Tell me what you're thinking. Tell me what your thoughts are. I was trying to provoke them, one, to learn how to reason and make decisions but we were trying to raise them to release them. Parents don't have the big one when the kids leave the house that they're not all hooked up 911 with you 24 hours a day. That's not the way it is. And so obedience was in our home, but obedience has been transferred. But I wanna tell you something that never gets transferred. Honor thy father and mother. 
It's a commandment in the word of God. I look today again at our four parents, my wife's mother and dad. I look every day in my office and in my house, our house of my parents' picture. I saw them again this afternoon. I saw them this morning. My parents, my wife's parents are all gone. But it is my job to honor my dad. Please, please, don't leave the church about what I'm gonna say because you're not wrong. But I wanna give you an illustration to try to get this thing of honor in your heart. I have pastored this church, and by the way, many of you men have a beard on tonight, and I think it probably looks good on you, and you're great, and it's wonderful. If I can't grow hair on top of my head, why should you grow it on your face? But I could have a good looking beard, I never do. And by the way, you're not wrong. I love you, you can be a member of this church, you can be godly, I thank God for you. The Gillette razor was the first razor to be invented that a man could buy and purchase in 1905. Before 1905, you always had to go get a, a shave and a haircut at the barber. So men began to grow beards. And you know what it was like, especially in the 1700s, the 1800s, the and beards were part of the, every great preacher had a beard. Moody had a beard, and Spurgeon had a beard, and men that we preach had a beard. I'm not saying they were wrong. But in 1905, you could buy, for the first time, a razor. It didn't catch on very fast. Only a couple thousand were sold in the nation. But it began to grow, and men began to shave. And if you'll look, shortly thereafter, in the late 20s and 30s and 40s, men did not have beards in America. They were clean-shaven. Now, don't leave the church over this. I'm just trying to illustrate a point. In the mid-50s, a group came to the forefront called Beatniks. Beatniks were motorcycle boys that were rebellious. And they reintroduced a beard. Now, if you're sitting here with a beard on, you got a mask, this is a good time. Best time in my ministry to ever preach about this because half the time I look at a woman, she looks like she's got a black beard on too. I saw a lady the other day, I kept looking, I said, I know it's a lady, it has to be a lady, but she's got a big old beard and it was a mask. So she just had pulled it down. And then the 60s brought in Haight-Ashbury and the hip, hippie movement and long hair and beards. Now wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Most preachers now have beards. Have a beard, I don't care. You say, well, why don't you? Because I remember my dad one time said this. And my dad never really told me much. My dad wasn't one of these sit me down and teach me things. He was just a quiet, godly German. He was loud and fun and all that, but he just minded his own business. People had problems in the church and got mad in the church and business meetings in the church where they got upset with one another. He was never part of that. Just kept his mouth shut. I can recall this guy over here, he'd always jump up at every business meeting, had a problem with the church. He was a deacon. And he'd bring up some problem in the church and something he didn't like. My dad never discussed it in the car, on the way home, anything. Someone tried to bring it up, it's not ours to discuss, son. My dad said, I said to him one day as I got a little bit older, I said, Dad, why don't we have beards? 
It says, because, son, it's not the tradition of our heritage. That's all he said. I said to him one day, Dad, why don't we have mustaches? And it's an amazing thing. My dad, in the latter years of his life, grew a mustache, and he had a white mustache right there. And I always wanted to ask him, why'd you do that, Dad? Because I said to him one time, Dad, why don't we have a mustache? He said, because we'd look like Hitler. I didn't want to really look like Hitler. I don't know. Maybe one day these fingers won't work right now. Have a beautiful beard. I'm not saying it is wrong. I'm not saying you're not a good Christian. I'm not saying you're, you're, you're preachers that are watching, you should not have them. Many preachers are eating popcorn right now at home in different time zones with your beard. God bless you. Just don't get the butter in the beard. And I don't have a beard today because I don't think my dad ever wanted me to have one. I'm not obeying my dad. I'm just trying to honor his memory. I don't think it's a rule what we have to have here in this church. And I don't think anybody needs to go home and shave their beard tonight, men or ladies. I'm trying to illustrate that there ought to be such a love and devotion and honor to your parents that you would want to fulfill. There should be an honor in your business. You honor and respect your business owner so much that you want to do it his way. It doesn't mean that you cannot ask a question and get his direction or her direction. But stop trying to run and manage everything else. If you want to manage, then you go get your own business. You go get your own family. You go get your own home. There's something about learning to honor, to develop a habit. What's the destination? The destination is to get your kids to, and get your business to honor the leadership. The, 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 the goal of our children is to get them to be saved and born again and to see them baptized and submit to God and submit authority and love people and work ethic and honesty and integrity and tithing and God's house. The same is true in your business. The destination, what is it? The Christian school, Brother Federa, I think you're in this tent over here. What is, what's the goal? He knows what we're trying to head toward, what the destination is. To prepare young people for full-time Christian service. And they're either going to go full-time service or they're going to be a good godly businessman or woman in the church and support full-time Christian servants. Thank God for the many of you do. What is the goal, Pastor Everson? Brother Oxenheim, what is, what is the goal for Golden State Baptist College? What, what's the destination? What is, what's the goal, Brother David Rust, for the youth group? What's the goal, Brother Ron Lewis, Brother Luke Flood, for the B and C Sunday School? Brother Poussin, what's the goal for worldwide missions? We're completing 400 churches now. In just a few days, and all the 180 missions, what's the goal? There always has to be a destination in training. Secondly, there has to be a demonstration in training. What we are speaks so loud, it's been said. What we are speaks so loud that I cannot hear what you're saying. 
Children watch what we do, not what we say. Employees watch what we do, not what we say. Church members look, staff members and pastor, what we do, not what we say. Training is always demonstration. Training in life never stops. I mentioned our kids have been gone one 21 years out of our home. We're not done training. Because though they left our home and they're scattered from our home tonight, we are training them how to run the race at the journey where we find ourselves tonight. We're training them because older people in life, and we're not old, but as you get older and your kids leave, you're either gonna become a grump and negative and critical and you gripe about everything and everything is, is a chief rain cloud and everything is bad and government is bad and America is bad and the world is bad and everybody's a liar and church people are all fakes and phonies and on and on it goes. You're gonna be a grump or you're gonna be a sweet old man. I choose to be the second. I want to be a sweet, not old man, sweet fellow. I want to be a kind man. I want to be thoughtful. I don't want to get old and grumpy and, 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 and grouch to people and yell at everybody, scream at everybody. What's wrong with you? You drivers, you people, you Californians, you that, you that. Slow down. I want to train our kids that you get old with grace. I want to train our kids that you don't react to everything. You're steady. You're slow. I want to train our kids that at whatever age we are, Sunday school is still important, kids. Sunday morning is still important, children and grandchildren. Sunday night is still important. Wednesday night is still important. Singing during church is still important. A wave of a hand and a shout and a praise the Lord and a lifted hand and God bless you, my brother. That's the way old folks ought to do it. Not this garbage. Sang that song, Oh Holy Night. Yeah, wasn't it awesome? It was wonderful. I don't want to die a grump. I don't want to die like a stagnant, stagnant pool, but as a stream that's flowing forth of God's goodness on mankind. I don't want to grow old and be opinionated and talk too much. I want to listen more than lecture. Perhaps you've raised your kids. And you hear me very carefully because I've been here 45 years, long before many of you were even born. I've watched kid, parents fall in love and, and people get fall in love, get married and have children, raise their kids, Christian schools all over America. I've been in, you name it, churches all over for 40 something years traveling. And they raise their kids in Christian school they raise them in the plays and the programs and the sports and the church and the summer camps. They graduate, and I've seen it more times than not. 
The kids go off to college. The kids go off and get married. The kids go on and do what they do. And mother and dad become casual with the house of God almost every time. Brother Bertram, I hear you back. They don't go to church. I did it my whole life. Did it. So, so you did it with the hopes of producing a product to be honest, and now when you have the most lessons in life to teach, how to die serving God, loving God, go to the latter years of your life, and all of a sudden, you're not going to church, you're laying on the couch, you're sitting at home, you're not involved in the things of God, you're not soul winning, you're not tithing. Well, we did all that earlier in life. Well, keep it up till you die. I don't know what you parents are trying to train when you quit on God. Training is a demonstration. I can recall when my parents both got too old and confused and wobbly and other things in life where they, last couple of years of their life, could not go to church. I can recall the week when my dad had to drop out of the choir because he was too wobbly and we tried it for months and it was just too, too, too unsafe. And it broke his heart. Just broke his heart. I still look in that auditorium, the place where they used to sit nearby the slides. And every service they were there in Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I could recall growing up in home, our car started up and we went to church. We were always the first there, the last to leave. They were training by demonstration. And it stayed that way till they died. I recall my dad always writing a check on Saturday night, Calvary Baptist Church, a tithe, and every week putting it in. I recall every Tuesday night of my life, mother and dad would get in the car and go to choir practice. Sometimes mother wouldn't go because she said, I think I need to stay home with the kids that have homework. Dad would go every Tuesday night to choir practice. Just the way it was. We had revival, we went to revival. We had missions, we went to church. We had vacation Bible school, we went to church. But that doesn't stop when your kids grow old. I'm talking about you people that are watching online and you're out of church now. And God bless you, I'm not talking about the virus. I'm not talking about that, uh, that maybe your church is shut down. I'm talking about when you're able-bodied and you're staying away from the house of God. Get back to church. We're all wrapped up that we think a president's gonna change America. God's people that claim they're saved going to Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, what is that? That's what's gonna change America. I find there has to be a destination. There has to be a demonstration. I close, there has to be a devotion. When we train, we are devoted to something business leader. When we train in the home, we're devoted to something, mother and dad. When we train, pastor, we're devoted to something. There's something that beats inside this heart of me of devotion to God, but to the great North Valley Baptist Church. I think if you cut me tonight, it would bleed North Valley Baptist Church. I don't want this to be in my heart just because we raised kids and we needed a basketball team and a cheerleading squad for our girls. 
and a youth group for our kids and summer camp for our kids. They are so long gone. And I think I can speak very distinctly for my wife. We love church. We've loved it out here and here in the saying, oh, what a Sunday it's gonna be soon by the grace of God when we go in that auditorium and that orchestra, full orchestra is playing and that full choir is singing and God's people are shouting. Don't, don't come on that first Sunday back if you think we're gonna have a 10 minute little service and done. We are singing every song in the songbook. I'm talking about the fact tonight, parents, business leaders, what we do reveals our devotion. The devotion of the North Valley Baptist Church is seek ye first the kingdom of God. The devotion of North Valley Baptist Church is that in all things he might have the preeminence. The devotion of North Valley Baptist Church is for to me to live as Christ. The devotion of the North Valley Baptist Church is Christ who is our life and he is our life. The devotion of North Valley Baptist Church is Philippians 3.10 that I may know him. Why has this been such a great year for our church? It doesn't make sense in a parking lot. It doesn't make sense shut out of a building for 290 days. It doesn't make sense. But we've had people surrender to the ministry. We've had people that are grateful for the Bibles. We've had people that are grateful for soul winners that have come by. We've had people all around the globe that have helped us financially to support this work and keep it going. And our own church is sacrificing God's people. I wanna tell you why there's a devotion to this place. There's a devotion to our God. There's a devotion to your children. We've become so careless in America with our kids, with our jobs, with God's house, our vocation. And tonight, I think if we're not careful, we spend more time training a dog or a cat than we do a child. I heard about it, but I've seen it now. In recent days, I see these little strollers coming, and it's so sweet. I love to see little babies in strollers. I love it, just a parent. And so many times I see all of a sudden somebody moving and they stick their head up and it's a dog. I would never want to hurt a dog. I'll leave it right there. I'd never want to hurt a dog. I'm not a cat lover, but I wouldn't want to hurt a cat. One amen. Two amens. You, you get down here. Three, you get down here right now. But you folks know as well as I, there's so much devotion to animals. The unearth in Nineveh, modern day Iraq, they unearth a city called Nineveh. And as they, archeologists have discovered, they found tablets and one of the tablets say the destruction that was written of Nineveh was a result of the failure of parents to train their children. One of the laws that was written in Nineveh was saying this, 
you are responsible for your children. I'm still responsible. My wife is still responsible. We call out the names of our children before God and our grandchildren before the throne of grace more than once a day. It's a critical moment for them. This is a critical moment for you and I. Let's stay involved in training. You business leaders, train your replacement. Train some people that they too can go out and leave you and succeed in a business. I've had 40 some men sit next to me on the platform that are pastors now. They were pastors here and assistant pastors. And now they're pastors. And again, in my prayer journal this morning, I was looking at all their names and rejoicing over them. To think that from this place, from that auditorium, 40 men that sat right next to me had well over 10,000 people in church in America today. That doesn't include the men we've sent out of this church. That doesn't include all the pastors' wives we sent out. I have all their names listed in my prayer journal. The missionaries that have been sent out. But the Sunday school teachers and the bus workers and the school teachers, elementary through high school, and the college and the parents and the pastor and the pastor's wife, we've worked to get them trained. to do something for God. Now the danger is that some false teacher is going to come in. And unfortunately, many shall follow their pernicious ways, their vile ways. So our training's never over. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.